Hello, and welcome to the Church 860 podcast. My name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the lead pastor of Church 860 located in Westerville, Ohio. Our podcast will have daily episodes uploaded where we have curated some of the best Bible teaching from across the globe. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Stay standing. As we're looking at this message, heaven, will you be going there? I got a lot of comments about last week's message, and I, I, I get that. A lot of people said that was a little harsh, don't you think? Uh, boy, pastor, heavy, heavy. One person said heavy, heavy, heavy. And, and it don't, I felt horrible. I just want you to know, I'm just humanly speaking, I felt horrible going home after third service uh, because I felt like I had beaten you guys, and a shepherd's never to beat the sheep. Uh, but then the Lord strengthened my heart. The Lord strengthened my heart and he gave me, just him and I together, he said to me, and it's kind of cool because it was, it, was, it was this, it was not the one, but it was a little bit of a hint. Jack, well done. Jack, well done. It was not, it was not yet well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm waiting for that one later, but it was Jack, well done. You're fine, Jack, you're fine with me. You, you told them what I said to them 2,000 years ago in the printed word. And, and yet... God reminded me because uh, during that time, in between services, especially young people, came to me with tears, actual tears, saying, I need to be saved. And listen, that makes everything. If we can give Satan a punch in the eye any day, that's a good day. That's a good day. And so we have interrupted our normal uh, teachings to go through this series called Futures. We're looking at heaven. Will you be going there? And uh, today's going to be uh, really the fourth installment on this particular topic. And we're going to do our scripture reading together in a moment. Remain standing. I have been, I've taken it upon myself to learn more and more in light of the attacks against him. I, I picked up books and I began reading about Christopher Columbus. And I'm being absolutely blown away. And now certainly assured as to why the United States of America has more statues of Christopher Columbus in the 50 states than any other uh, person who's enshrined in statue form, including George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. Did you know that? I didn't know that. There are nearly 700 statues throughout the United States of Christopher Columbus. I didn't know that in 1492 he was commissioned by the king and queen of Spain to find a new trade route because of Europe's wars with the pirates of the Barbary Coast, the Muslim terrorists of the Mediterranean. I didn't know that. I just thought in modern reports that Columbus became some lunatic, murderous, bloodthirsty freak and terrorized the Atlantic. No, that's... That's what you get out of modern-day public school teaching, it turns out. Christopher Columbus's parents had a vision regarding him before he was even born about what God was going to do with him. But one of the things I read this week was fascinating to me as he was landing for the first time, Europeans coming to the various islands of the Caribbean, which, this has nothing to do with the Bible study. But, um, Carib, Caribbean. It is true. Columbus, he and his men armed themselves and went after a group and slaughtered them. Called the Caribs. You know why? 
They were cannibals. They were eating other islanders on the other islands. And the islanders were terrified of the Caribs. In fact, the last group of Caribs to be killed were 11 different tribes in the area on the coast of which is now called Texas. Carib, in their language, is man-eater. And the, the sea they terrorized for centuries was called the Caribbean. The sea of man-eaters, the Caribbean. And when Columbus came with rumored about of who these rescuers were, see, you don't get that in public school. They rescued islanders. They didn't exterminate them. Columbus said when coming to one people group, he says, they have no religion, nor are they idolatrous, except that they all believe power and goodness to be in heaven. They firmly believe that I, with my ships and men, came from heaven. And with, I, with this idea, I have been received everywhere. Since they lost fear of me, they are, however, far from being ignorant. That was the letter he wrote to the king of Spain. Because part of Columbus's mission was to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? And many times he reported back to the king and said, these people have a greater morality and a greater love for God than we do in Europe. What does that mean? It goes exactly in line with what we're talking about today, that it's God's will that you and I experience the salvation that comes from heaven. Even a people naked, walking around tropical islands of the Caribbean, the man-eating sea, understood that there's a heaven where good things come from. And even Columbus himself said, without the preaching of the gospel, they were not ignorant of that. Church, in our scripture reading together, we're going to be talking about heaven. First Peter chapter 1, I'll begin in verse 3. We'll go down to verse 9. I'll begin in verse 3. If you'll pick it up on the screens with verse 4, nice and loud. So hell and heaven can hear us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation or the coming of Jesus Christ. And I'll end this section with verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. To the screens, 2 Timothy 3, I'll begin in verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. 
They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like this. Now, Luke chapter 21, Luke 21, I'll begin in verse 29. Luke 21, 29, eyes to the screen. Then Jesus spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. So you also, when you see these things beginning or happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words by no means pass away. For it will come for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. And all God's people said, Amen. "Amen." You can be seated. Powerful portions of Scripture there for us. Heaven. You, kept by the power of God, the Lord Jesus coming to get us, the promise of him in judgment, the glorious confidence that God's word tells us that before his wrath comes upon the earth, we might be able to seek his face and pray and be ready that we might escape that time of God's global worldwide judgment against all wickedness called the tribulation period. That is for a study of future Sundays that's ahead of us. Right now we're looking at heaven and we're asking the question, will you go there? Will you go there? And the first thing that we want to lay out before you today, by the way, you can take a deep breath and relax. This ought to excite you. The approach that we'll be looking at today regarding that question. Last week was last week's challenge by design. I deliberately gave the message last week how it was and what it was. Not this one first. There's a reason for this. When asked the question, heaven, will you be going there? The answer should be number one in your note taking is yes. You need to be able to say yes to this. And this is the reason why. Yes, because you believe in him. Church, will you mark that down? I want to hit this and I want to hit it hard for this reason. It is absolutely overwhelmingly assured that the man or woman, boy or girl, who believes on and in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to go to heaven. But we need to understand what believe or believing really means. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, the Bible says, So they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. That's the jailer in that famous moment where 
Paul and Silas and the ministry team were gathered together. You know the story. They were singing songs of praise while they're shackled in stocks. At midnight, an earthquake hit. I think it was an angel quake, by the way. It was an earthquake. I think an angel did all that because of what happens later. But uh, the fact of the matter is uh, that one of the jail keepers were terrified as to what was going on. And uh, his basic expression was, uh, I need to be saved. And the Bible response is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But today you and I live in a world that just uh, thinks that belief is just something where we assign a level of uh, attention to something uh, that we, we all believe in. We, we believe in this, we believe in that, and oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll believe in Jesus. But it's more than that. It's not difficult. It's not rocket science. Listen, the belief that God expects from you who are going to heaven is a belief that is so precious that a child can believe in God. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that God is, I think, most encouraged by the belief or faith of a child. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, we need to become like little children before we can enter the kingdom of God. Belief, believing. The word means this, and you might care to make note of it. It means uh, to entrust. It means to commit. It it means to um, believe in such a way that your belief is uh, to depend upon. So when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, listen, are you going to go to heaven? Yes. Why is that true? Because you depend upon Jesus. That's the believer. That's the one that's going to be going to heaven. And if you've called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you understand that he is Lord, Savior, God, he's Messiah, he died on the cross, he rose again from the dead. If Christ has become, I have to underline the word become, if Christ has become your passion, because that's how it really is. The more you fall in love with somebody, the more they become your your uh, focal point of your passion, of your attention. And that's good. That's, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. All the best when it comes to God. All the best when it comes to Jesus. To love him. We'll talk more about this in a moment. But what does it mean to believe in him? The reason why you're going to go to heaven is because you trust him. When you hear the things that are going on around the world and when you hear how you're not hearing Things that are going on around the world because it's being kept from you. That raises a level of anxiety. That raises a level of threat to your peace and for your safety. And all of a sudden, what we as a culture, uh, in the First Amendment type of culture, we are threatened by that. Americans have more to lose than any other nation on earth right now. That, 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 That may encroach upon you and bring fear. Wait a minute. You're going to heaven. And because you're going to heaven, you've trusted in Jesus Christ. You believe him and what he has done in your life. You can entrust your future today to him. He will take care of you. Listen, you may or may not doubt that. We may or may not doubt that from time to time. We all have our moments and our seasons of faith and the challenge of faith. Every single one of them. We all go through this. All of us go through this, people. Don't think that you having doubt this morning... Is, is, because, is because you're not a Christian. That is not true. Every human, the greatest saints of God, I love reading them, have gone through horrific battles of doubt. 
George Whitfield, the Wesleys, Charles Spurgeon, Charles Finney, John the Baptist. Great seasons of doubt. Listen, you've got to have belief in Christ before you can suffer seasons of doubt. In that order, cheer up. Don't lose heart. Heaven, will you be going there? The answer is absolutely yes if you're believing in Jesus Christ. But we want to make sure that we are truly believing him. There's a firm warning in the Bible about belief only is what I would say. Belief only. You said, Jack, didn't you just say a moment ago from the book of Acts, believe in the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved? Oh, yeah, yeah, that is, and that is true. But there's a belief only danger. See, what do you mean? To believe is where you begin. And when you really begin by believing in Jesus Christ, that belief takes you somewhere. Never think for a moment that just because I accepted Christ on Monday night, just before 9 p.m., June 20th, 1977, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, uh, Greg Laurie preaching the gospel, Revelation chapter 20, Keith Green doing the worship that night. Just because I came to believe in Christ that night, if I would have walked away after going forward and never picked up the Bible again and never had a passion or desire to know the one I claimed to have fallen in love with that moment, then my belief would have been void and with no effect. Are you with me? It would have been nothing. To believe is the first step of a journey called sanctification where God brings you all the way through until you breathe your last breath or you hear a trumpet blast. For the Christian that is alive and well and possessed by the Holy Spirit, there is no downtime in our world. We, you and I, we have been deployed into a godless, Christless age to tell everyone we can about the love of God and the forgiveness that's in Jesus Christ. The question is, do you believe in him? James tells us this strong warning. James chapter 2, verse 19. He says, you believe that there's one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Satan believes in Jesus Christ. But Satan doesn't believe in Jesus Christ to save him. Satan knows of Jesus' authority, but he doesn't bow the knee. That will happen later. And I think, according to the Bible, you and I are going to watch Satan bow his knee. That's going to be a great day. That's going to be a great day. So number one, church, yes. Yes, you're going to go to heaven if the fact that you believe in him as you ought. So yes, you believe because he's come to you. I want you to write that down. He has come to you. Pastor Jack, I do believe in Jesus. Yes, that is true because he has come to you. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, But the Lord is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is awesome, people. The fact that you're going to go to heaven is based upon the foundational truth that Christ has come to you. He's the one that reached out to you. Number one, for this reason, he is not willing that you should perish, but that you should come to the knowledge of everlasting life. By the way, that's his desire for all people. We talked about that last week in a small degree. The fact is this, church, that believing in him is based upon this act of repentance. You see, people will say, I believe in Jesus, but there's been no change in their life. Why? They never repented. 
They're like the devils. The devils believe in Jesus. In fact, they're not. No, I take that back. They're not like the devils who believe. That's not even fair to the devils, demons, to say that. I'll tell you the reason why. The word I read a moment ago in James, it says that the devil or demons or Satan believes and trembles. Do you know what the word tremble is? The word tremble in the Greek is where we get our word goose flesh. Goose skin. You say goose skin. Yeah, I know we don't really think like that. But have you ever seen a naked turkey? Exactly. When you pluck that turkey, wait, we don't pluck turkeys. Somebody else plucks them. When we go down to the store and bring them home and unwrap them from the plastic and you run your hand over the breast or the skin of the turkey, have you noticed that? Is it all lumpy? That's what the Bible says in the, in the book of James. When Satan thinks about God, his skin goes, <laughs> he gets goose skin. Oh, oh, people don't do that. People are brazen. They don't believe in God. They mock God. We read a moment ago how there's a generation of people as we approach the end, they'll be mockers of God. They don't get goose flesh. And yet hell has a respect for Christ like the godless of this world do not. Oh, but you who believe in him, you're going to heaven. You who believe in him, he's going to see to it. Listen, you don't hear this very often. Because most often, you know, you need to commit your life to Christ. You need to commit your life. I get it. The reason why that's true is because he has first committed himself to you. Think of that. And that's true. Because he has come to you. And I want some of you to think, stop and think right now, how that happened in your life. How did he come to you? Refresh your memory. Go back, slow down, rethink. Go back to the ancient paths. Retrace them in the early days of how Christ spoke to you. Where were you? What did he say? What were you thinking when you began to awaken to his stimulating overtures to you as he began to draw you? Jesus said, nobody comes to the father. It's interesting, by the way, it's, it's referenced really in two ways of scripture. Jesus said, nobody comes to me unless the Father draws them to me. And Jesus also mentions that nobody can come to me unless the Spirit of God is at work in their lives. I kind of like to look at it this way. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, working in the world, working in your life to bring you to the one who saves you. The Bible says there's one mediator, go between. There's one negotiator between man, that's us, And God, and that is the mediator, Christ Jesus. He's pulling. I like to think of it this way. He's got a a lost humanity, right? And represented by the work of the Holy Spirit on this hand. It's the Holy Spirit convicting people, which is almost illegal today. Think of it. If I say something today that Google doesn't like, Facebook doesn't like, if YouTube doesn't like, if I say something that is counterculture and their algorithm detects the words I'm using, it will block me out. We are not far from when I say you say something from the word of God with all love to reach someone with the gospel of salvation to bring them out of the grips of hell into heaven. 
Where this age of censorship steps in and says, you can't talk like that. We're going to sue you. We're going to shut you down. What are you really saying? This is what they're saying, but they don't know how to say it. We are going to shoot you the messenger because what you said, that message, affected that person. And we heard about it. Translation, we are going to legislate the work of the Holy Spirit till the point that it's illegal. Did you, what, when he said that, did you feel odd? Yes, I did. That odd feeling was the Holy Spirit saying, you need Christ. You need Jesus. You need hope, love, salvation, forgiveness. You need mercy. And someone who's rejecting Christ says, I felt offended. I felt threatened by their words. And a godless age will come in and begin to sue the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? In fact, they didn't even like what I just said just now. If you think about it. Remembering. You say, I thought we were going to be talking about future things. This, this is exactly what we're doing. That's why we're taking this as a whole series. Because salvation is the greatest prophetic doctrine of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 9. In fact, you're going to recognize this. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. This is awesome. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the Bible says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You ever heard that before? You probably didn't recognize Isaiah 9, 2. Next verse, you guys. This is the reason why you, you, you recognized the hearing of it. You didn't recognize their scripture reference. This is what you recognized. Matthew 4, 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John, that's John the Baptist, had been put in prison, Jesus departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. You don't care about that unless you're Jewish, friends. That, those two locations just got your Jewish attention. By the way, Matthew, anybody remember Matthew's last name? Matthew Levi, he's a Jew. I encouraged a friend of mine the other day. I said, you need to read uh, the New Testament. He said, it's, uh, I'm not going to read a Gentile book. I said, uh, did you know it's written by a bunch of Jews? <laughs> I did. Verse 14, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by Isaiah the prophet saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, what, what did he say? <laughs> Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's believing. Listen, when the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, Christian, and you've sensed, I don't know if God speaks to me. Well, listen, the next time you do something wrong, unplanned or planned, you do something wrong, you will hear him speak. I don't know if God ever talks to me. Mm, if you do something wrong, think something wrong, do you not hear him speak? Yes. yes, he does. Every Christian should say, I hear him speak. What you really want to do is be able to say, I read the Bible a lot. God speaks to me from the word. I don't get in trouble much, but when I do, boy, do I hear him speak. What you don't want to do is walk around as a Christian and say, God spoke to me today. He spoke to me twice today. He spoke to me five times today. What are you doing? Oh, he's faithful to convict. 
He's faithful to speak. All of God's kids, the Bible says, God will never discipline a child that's not his own. He only disciplines his own kids. You don't spank your neighbor's kids. You go to jail. I mean, you want to. The little creep is messing things up. Best you can do is say, go home. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You can't spank it. You can't spank kids that are not yours. I say, Pastor, I don't know if you should say spank. Discipline then. The Bible says nothing. It's a, what's another story? That's a whole nother day. God disciplines his kids because he loves them. If you don't love your kid, it's, it's lived out because you don't correct them. You just leave the little rats to do whatever they want. Nobody wants them around because you've raised up a little maniac. Right? Because they've been left to himself. The Bible says you leave. This has nothing to do with this message. This is just side note. That if you don't discipline your child in love, for crying out loud. If you love them, you're going to tell them, don't do that again. You're going to wind up in jail someday. You teach them. Listen, the Bible tells you, if you don't do that, the Bible says that kid will grow up and be a reproach to his mother. You know, dads have a hard time. It's like, you know what? That rotten kid turned out to be a piece of junk. I'd like to... Men are just... The moms, no matter what, the moms, they just weep from the inside out. It's a heartbreak. And I don't know how I <laughs> went down that, but, it's, but it, repentance is required if we're really going to believe. And that's why many of you, many of us, we get the sting of the Holy Spirit because, listen, he calls us to repentance because we are his kids. There are those who are becoming God's children because they are going to repent of their sins. God knows who, who they are. And there are us who are in the family that when we sin, the Bible tells us if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from, un, from all unrighteousness. What's that all about? God will convict you and I to maintain fellowship with us. If we don't repent as a, as a believer to our Heavenly Father, then we're still in the family. God doesn't believe in abortion. You're not losing your salvation. He just won't talk to you. Can you imagine if your little kid came up and said after, you know, slapping the dog and, and, and burning his bicycle or something, and then he comes up, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's quarantined to his room. You go to your room, you stay there all day, you're in trouble. And then the kid comes out, coming down the hallway, and the kid walks up. Remember, he's under, he's under the sentence of you're in trouble. But he comes and says, Mom, Dad, I know I'm supposed to be in my room, but can I talk to you about what I want for Christmas? You know what Mom and Dad are going to do? They're going to say, no, I'm not talking to you. Get back to your room. Repentance is the key that keeps or restores or brings about fellowship with God. It's got to happen. The second thing is this. Yes, because you believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to be going to heaven. Because listen, he's begun a work in you. Oh, for those of you, listen, that maybe think that You've gone too far. Maybe God has given up on you and you're thinking thoughts of condemnation. You need to remember again, Romans chapter eight, verse one, that there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You remember that you're going to go to heaven, friend, because listen, did God not create a work in you? Didn't he begin a work in you? Can you look back and maybe you're listening right now and you just think it's all over for you. And just out of curiosity, you've stepped in here today or you've tuned in today and you think it's all over for me. I want to ask you this question. Did God ever begin a work in your life? 
I do believe that if this question is answered, there will not be enough churches in America to house the prodigal sons and daughters that can make their way back home today. You think the church is big in America? You think this church is big? This is, a, this is ridiculous. I, be, I believe there are more condemned brothers and sisters who are walking around with a scarlet letter, as it were, on their forehead, thinking that they could never go back to church because Satan has lied to them. They're not happy in the world. Listen, is this you? You're not happy in the world because you know better. But you feel as though Jesus doesn't want you back. And you're in no man's land. That is Satan's language. That's how Satan talks. And you get up every day with a cloud over your head in life. David lived like that for about a year. I think it was a year after he had murdered Bathsheba's husband. After he got her pregnant. So who are you talking about? Oh, some renegade. Some murderer. Some adulterer named King David. A man after God's own heart. Hmm. He repented and he turned. And God welcomed him back into the family. If this last year that's passed taught us anything, and if the opening days of this year has taught us anything, you better come back to Jesus quick. Amen. Friend, if you, are, if you somehow ostracize yourself from the family of God, you better come back. You better hurry back. Listen, if you can't find a church with the doors open, catch a train, stick your thumb out, hitchhike if you have to, get somewhere. Amen. Get somewhere to run into the house of God and set up a... And if you can't do that, go find something. I'm, I'm really big on what I'm about to say. It's not necessary, but I like places. What I mean by that is I like to make places special between me and God. You guys all know about the oak tree. I own that oak tree. That oak tree that the city has on their city emblem? I found it before the city ever found it. I lived here before the city was here. That was my oak tree. It's gigantic. You've got to climb a hill to get to it. It's epic. It's amazing. And I've got a lot of prayer time at that oak tree. There were times of dedication. Listen, in 1986, I stood on that hilltop with my family holding them in our hands and, and st stretching out our hands all over this valley and beyond the mountains. And we didn't even know what we were saying, but we said it. Dear God in heaven, for whatever purposes you've moved us to this unbelievable distant land, we can't smell salt water, we can't hear any waves. What's up with this? And we stretched our hands out over this valley and beyond. And we said, Lord, if it's your will, deliver this valley and beyond into your hands. And I didn't know how he was going to do that. I didn't, I didn't even think he was going to do that. We just had this weird thought in the moment. And every time I see a city vehicle or a cop car go by, I don't see anybody but that tree on the side of that car, that, that logo. It's like, that's my tree. I took a group of men not too long ago. Where's, right? Didn't we go up there? We went up there and we held our hands up like we did in 1986. 
And I dedicated a group of men of this church to God's hand. And by the way, those men are deployed all around you. And they're on a mission. That mission that they're on is to be masculine, God-loving wife, children-loving men as examples. And they are going to transform this church. This is going to be a church. Listen, this is going to be a church of the most amazing biblical masculinity you've ever seen. Can you say that word? Can you say masculinity? Oh, God invented masculinity. The problem is the world has shown you a horrible picture of it. Not, Not toxic masculinity, anointed masculinity. Jesus taught us how to love. Jesus taught us how to defend truth and to care for others. Can you ask yourself if God has done a work in you? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, the Bible tells us, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. This is awesome. The Lord knows those who are his. Oh, come on. This last week, I was in Washington, D.C., for various things, and one of them for a few hours went over and stood uh, in the massive crowd of rally uh, protesters there on the mall. And it was interesting to see that there were some people there from all kinds of walks of life. And by the way, I don't care what you're watching on the news, I was there. Okay. There were definitely a handful of people who infiltrated that rally, and I watched it. By the way, I took some pictures too and sent it to the cops. Yeah. But what was amazing was you could, you could see people who were, um, I saw a lot of people who were tattooed. And I'm not going to endorse or condemn tattoos. I'm just going to say that you could tell, you could tell that that guy was a Harley Davidson fan. <laughs> Are you with me? You could tell that that guy was a New York Giants fan. Okay? Um, you could tell that that person, fill in the blank. How did I know? Because they had tattoos in the back of their neck and on their arms and hands. They were marked. Are you with me? I saw it. Guess what? To those of you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God sees your mark. We can't see it physically. God can see that you're marked. The Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians, we'll talk about it soon, I think, in a moment, if I get to it in time, that you who believe are sealed with and by the Holy Spirit. And there's no getting around that. Listen, today, if you say, I don't know if I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit, either either you're not and you need to get, or you are and you don't know how to identify that. And that's okay. But the Lord knows those who are his. The word in Greek is gnosko. It's a great word. I love this word because the word, listen, the Lord experiences those who are his. That's what the word gnosko means. It means, it means, you see this? Watch, watch. Listen. Bible. Turn the pages. You know what I'm doing? I'm gnoscoing this Bible. I'm familiar with it. I feel it. I am in direct connection with it. God's word says, I know those that are mine. I'm in direct connection with them. I feel them. 
I can touch them. I know them. I cannot be any more intimate with them than what I am with my own. Do you believe in Lord Jesus Christ? That's your reality. You need to spiritually stop tiptoeing around and be confident in Christ. Here's a big test. You ever want to try this? Do it at home. Don't do it here. If you don't think you belong to God, if you think God doesn't want you, try denouncing him. Take your Bible when you go home today. Go get a trash can and try to burn it. Just burn it. Just throw your Bible across the street. Just say, I never pick it up again. I did that once. You're looking at a guy that struggled for three years with such condemnation because I couldn't get over my past. I remember being so angry because I couldn't fathom the love of God for me. How could he? What was funny is that I could see God's love for all of you and the friends around me at that time, but I couldn't see it for me. And it's powerful because that's a da- it's powerful because it's dangerous because Jesus is a personal savior. He's not a group savior. You need to hear this. If I were to ask you, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. And I asked you the diagnostic question. Do you believe he died for you on the cross? Yes. But do you believe, then you believe you're going to heaven, right? I don't know. I'm just such, I don't know. I keep remembering about my past. And it's just, I don't know. Listen, you need to understand something. He died for you personally. That's why it had to be God that did it. No man could have done it for us personally. Do you understand that? So, hey, I found a really great guy. He's down the street. As far as I can tell, he could almost walk on water. Maybe he'll die for me. Hey, even if you found such a person, it's not going to work. God had to die for us. And when you come to the realize that, that if, if Adam and Eve had a baby, somebody, give, give me your names. Just give me a name. Jennifer. Jennifer. If Adam and Eve had a baby and Jennifer was the only one born and then Eve trips over an apple over there, it had to be an apple. The way Apple computer, Apple, <laughs> it had to be an apple. If Adam and Eve would have sinned and plunged the three of them, by their action into condemnation, Jesus Christ still would have died if Jennifer would have been the only kid born into this entire world. Did you know that? Say, whoa, that's not a very big salvation purchase for all that suffering. You're looking at it religiously. God looked at it. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> so... God looked at it purely based on his nature of who he is. God didn't convince himself that he's the redeemer. Because he is redeemer. It's not that it was one or 100 billion people over the course of human history. It's irrelevant to him. He doesn't love based on numbers. He loves one at a time. And that love he has for you is blind to your sins and faults because you believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know why that do you know why you see red when you see something red? 
Because your brain, your eye, is processing every color except one color. You know why the sky is blue? Because it's not blue. You know why you see red? Because that thing's not red. John, you have a red sweatshirt on. I think it's red. Okay, you forgot that. You shocked them. I do, I do. So here's, it's, oh, it's wild. My eyes, in the, in the spectrum of light, my eyes are processing all of the color, colors here. But you know what's, what's being rejected? His, what he's wearing, the reason why it's that color to me is because every color of the spectrum is being absorbed except one color. What color is it? Red. Red is bouncing back and hitting my eye. Thus, I say it's red. It may not be red. The sky is not blue. The sky absorbs every color except blue. It spits blue back at you because it's not absorbing blue. Are you hearing me? When God looks at the Christian, the Bible says we've been washed in the blood of the... God sees everything he would have. You see, as a, as a non-Christian, God sees all of my sin. But the moment I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb, imagine you being, because of belief, you're dipped in a tub of blood. You see, Pastor, that's so gross. It should be gross. It costs God his life. And you stand up. I see, listen, if I were God and I'm looking at you, I only see red. That's why the Bible says he will, not, he, he will never remember your sins. And as far as the east is from the west, he will remove your sins from you. Why? Because he only sees red. <laughs> so who made that up? God did. Stop trying to convince him of other things. Just zip it, will you? Thank him for it. When you trust Christ, God sees you red. Washed in the blood of the lamb. That's his deal. Listen, he did that. Enter into that. You have nothing to do with it but to believe him. So get into it. Stop overthinking it. Did you do wrong? Did you sin against God? Was that evil? Yes. Then run to him. Run to him and get red. Plunge as the old hymn goes in under the fountain of Emmanuel's veins. Remarkable. Genesis Genesis 3, 14 and 15 says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat the dust uh, all the days of your life. And I will put enmity. Listen, God is speaking to Satan. I'm going to put warfare between you and the woman. That's funny. You mean God is like arranging a fight between Satan and Eve? Not exactly. More specifically, between your seed, Satan, your offspring, and her offspring. His offspring, plural, her offspring. That's why it's capital S. They're singular. You will bruise, uh, he shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. You'll inflict pain upon this child that's coming that will redeem the world, but he's going to crush your head. Satan's, Satan has known that since the Garden of Eden. 
But has God begun to work in you? Well, why don't you let him finish it? It's time, to, it's time to stop goofing off. Let him finish it. You're going to heaven. Why not go there in blazing glory? <laughs> Do you believe him? Yes. Do you believe that his word is given to you, the word of God? Yes. Then stand up, wipe your nose, and get going. Amen. Stop looking back. Every time you look back, you crash. I don't care if you're driving your lawnmower. Pushing your lawnmower, if you're sailing your boat, if you're driving down the freeway, you know the faster you go. And are we not going fast in life right now? The faster you go down the freeway, I don't care if you're in a Yugo or a Ferrari, the, 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 the truth is the same. If you look over your shoulder to look back, you're going to crash. That's why you have rearview mirrors. You don't look back. A lot of Christians today are going to heaven, but they're stuck because they keep looking back. Oh, God, remember this? And God goes, no, all I see is red. Yeah, it was really bad. Remember I said that thing? Uh, no, I just see red. Psalm 138, verse 8, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. That's his prayer. Here's the reality. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Listen to this, everybody. You guys okay? Yes. Ephesians 1, 3. Listen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, in Christ, just as he chose us in him, that's Jesus, before the foundation of the world. That means God knew you before you were ever hatched. He knew who you were. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us. He did that based on his foreknowledge. This should encourage you believer who's going to heaven. To adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise and of the glory of his grace. By which he made us accepted in. Notice capital B. The Beloved, that's Jesus. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom, prudence, having made known to us, here it comes, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Hear all these, this legal talk? It's as though God is making a declaration, an executive order from God. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Both which are in heaven, which are on earth, in him, verse 11 says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Is this genius? Or what? Verse 12, that we should first, that we who first, there it is, trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Wow. You meditate on that's deep. That's beyond deep. That's letting you into to the secret or the mystery of salvation that was in the heart and mind of God before time ever was. Philippians 1 verse 6. Philippians 1 6 tells us, be, technically, the Greek is be being. We say 
being confident of this very thing. The, the, the word in the Greek means be being confident. Always, never, never, never do you not have to be confident. It's a, it's a command. Be being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. That means God does his work. Are you going to heaven? Well, I'm not sure. Do you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Yes. I just don't feel saved. Stop it. And believe. Go back to what you know. What got you originally to raise your hand or to get up or come forward or to fall on your face or to say, Jesus, come into my life and save me from myself. Wash me clean of my sins and cause me to walk with you. And if you prayed that 10, 20, 30 years ago and you've been like a pinball machine ever since, by God's grace and mercy, you're hearing this message today and you can stop being like that game, that toy and receive this message from the Lord today that he wants you and he will make up for all the time that has been wasted and then finally this is the final push it's going to take me a few minutes to give you this final thing but yes you're going to go to heaven because he has spoken life to you this is the absolute come on let's be honest man this is this is why we love God he speaks to us the things that we need to hear. When a, when a wife wants to hear her husband say, I love you more than anything in the whole world. That's, she wants to hear that. If she says, honey, do you love me? And he says, I pay the bills, don't I? That's, that's sad. That's sad. That's sad. The amazing thing what God has done. God did it all. And then we ask him, do you love me? And he says, yes. And and whenever you doubt it, Jack, just look back at what I've done for you in the past. Go back to the cross. You know what? If you doubt it, read the gospels again. And and you'll see what I did because I'm crazy about you, Jack. You say, I just can't handle the love of God. Well, listen, he's begun a good work in you. You're a little stubborn. I get it. Just start here then. God likes you. That's a good place to start. I can't handle the love of God. Well, then, you know what? He likes you. Start there. See, what does that mean? That means he wants to hang out with you today. (laughs) That's good news. Most people don't. He does. (laughs) Right? Think of it. I'm glad he loves me. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse three says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Who's the minds, the God of this age, Satan is blinded who do not believe. See that? Lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God should shine upon them. Wow. Last verse. It's a whopper. You guys can stand even. See, if you stand at your expense, it will remind me that I got to end soon. <laughs> I'll feel sorry for you. This, but this is a whopper. We'll look at it together. It's Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 1. Watch this. By the way, before I read it, 
Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts as we read this word, this word that you spoke. Technically, really, those words should be written in red because they're words that you spoke and you speak and they're eternal. And we ask you, Father, that you would allow us to see our own hearts right now. On the same day that Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, a great multitude or multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables, parables, parabolos, para alongside parabolos, to cast truth alongside every head, every heart of every listener. He just threw out the truth and it landed like a, like a bobber on a fishing line right alongside each person's head. Para alongside, balos to cast, truth alongside their head. Notice, he didn't force it into their heart. He didn't shove it down their throat. He cast it alongside them. He's casting alongside us. This is what he said. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. And some, that is seed, some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came to him and said to him, they're going to be asking him this, why do you speak to the people, them, in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. Stop right there, verse 12. Listen, he's not withholding the truth from them. Satan blinds the eyes of those who do not believe. Jesus throws out in preaching, he throws out the truth to all, but not all accept. That's how you know who is in the family and who's not. Oh, I wish pastors across America would get this down. They don't need to apologize for the Bible and avoid portions of the Bible. If they're really pastors, they're supposed to give the Bible and let Jesus do his work. You don't make, you don't make a church happen. You just, you're just supposed to do one thing, Pastor, and you're just supposed to give them the truth faithfully. And God does the rest. If you, if you try to build a church, you'll never build a church. You'll build a clubhouse, but you won't build a church. Let him build it. And he uses his word to do it. You just give the word and he takes care of the rest. For whoever has, to him more will be given, more light, more light, more light. The more open you're to the light, the more light you're going to get. He will have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecies of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. No, who closed their eyes? They, but in their conjunction and their unbelief with Satan. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, 
lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For surely, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, the Bible being preached and does not understand it, And the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in their hearts. This is he who received by the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world, 2020. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, some 30. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, thank you for saving us at the cross of Christ. And thank you for leaving us an empty tomb. Thank you for your word. And today, Father, I pray that those who, even now, have been ministered by your Holy Spirit, that they would breathe deep, filling up their lungs with air, that they expand their chest for the first time in years, perhaps, for some. They would take you at your word and that they would remember that you began to work in them. You will not forsake it because that's true. They will no longer delay. They will obey. And with that, the joy of the Lord will be their strength. And they will go forth from this place today bearing precious seed. How beautiful are the feet of those who go and distribute your truth to the world. So, Father, baptize this church, baptize this service in the power of your Holy Spirit. And, Lord God, any man or woman, boy or girl, who is outside the kingdom, that you'd intensify their state, their condition, that they might run and say, what must I do to be saved? And the shout would come from us, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Church 860 podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, we ask that you would like and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get daily updates. If you'd like to know more about Church 860, please visit church860.com. Thank you. God bless.